Welcome to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Richard's going to take the next few minutes to share some great words of hope, insight, humor, and relevance. In today's lost and searching world, that's something everyone desperately needs to hear. Speaking of that, we'd love to keep this conversation going with you anytime through our website, richardellistalks.com. In fact, there's so many ways to connect with us from there that you really need to check it out for yourself, richardellistalks.com. But right now, let's go ahead and get things off and running with today's talk. Here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is Wakey Wakey. I'd like you to turn to Psalm 121. I... Uh, in the past, it's been quite a while, I had an idea, put it in my files to do a sermon about the boiling frog. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The boiling frog that they claim that if you put the frog in the pan of cold water and you turn the heat up, the frog will boil to death. Well, I couldn't use that because that's not true. The frog will jump, he'll get out of there. I mean, you'd have to do it so gradually, but still the frog will get out of there. So, but people have been using that crazy story forever because it demonstrates something that in some way I'm going to try to explain without using the frog story. So we got that out of the way. The point of that thing, if it were true, is that you can rock along and wake up and you're dead. Now you say, well, I'm a Christian. If, you know, if I just got swept up in something and I died, I'd be in heaven. Okay. Well, that's true if you're a Christian. If you're not a Christian, it's not a good thing. You are not going to make it. And so waking up somewhere along the way, and I'll read you scriptures about this in a minute to address that. But look at Psalm 121, start in verse 1. And I'm going to read you a bunch of scripture today, maybe not as much as some days, but look at this. I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence comes my help? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. You're not dealing with a God who you're in trouble and go, dude, wake up. What are you doing? Well, that's why things went poorly because he was asleep. God doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber. And specifically in Psalm 121, look what it says in verse 4. He who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. I need a God who's awake. I need a God who's attentive. I need a God who's got ears to hear and eyes to see. I don't need a carved statue that can't speak or hear or do anything. Right? So people say, well, you're being mean to people. That's what they grew up with. That's what they understand. Your idol will never help you. The devil may do something to deceive you into thinking that your idol is performing for you. Idols never come through. They can't do anything. Matthew chapter 8. Now, I started out reading you that God does not sleep, and now I'm going to show you God asleep. Go down to verse 23. Now, when he got into a boat, his disciples followed him, and suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea. And by the way, it's talking about the quote-unquote Sea of Galilee. If you go over there, it's a lake. They call it the sea, but it's a lake. It's just a big lake, not the biggest lake you've ever seen. But when a storm kicks up, it'll get your attention. I mean, it's scary stuff. The wind comes over the hills, and boom, you got trouble. So this suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea so that the boat was covered with the waves. They're washing in over the boat. But he was asleep. So Jesus is on this boat in a storm and he's asleep. 
Then his disciples came to him and awoke him saying, Lord, save us. We are perishing like dude. Dude's implied. Dude, we are, we're going to die. It's not we're going to die. We are dying. We are perishing. We're not going to make it. Like, wake up. But he said to them, why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds of the sea, and there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? Now, I don't want to get too far out on this story. I just recommend having him on your boat. Because if he's not on their boat, what are they going to do? They're just going to go, ah, we're going to die, we're going to die. At least they got somebody they can wake up that they think if he cares, that was their implication. You don't care, we're, we're dying. And then he does what he does. Every once in a while on a tee box, on a golf course, on a windy day, I try this. I'll like kind of do a peace be still prayer on the wind. I don't have much. I don't, I'm not praying for the other guys when they hit the ball, but at least for me, you know, give me some, a window, you know, like he doesn't answer that prayer. It hasn't happened yet. And I don't even know, and I've shared this before. I don't even know if I've got the kind of faith for that. I think he can do it. I just don't know if it came out of my mouth, if I would really believe it would happen. I'd probably be the same. They didn't try it at that point. They got him. Then he said it, calm. They're like, who is this guy? All I know is this. I don't have all the faith all the time, but I'm packing. When I was a little boy, Jesus moved into my physical body. And ever since then, he has protected me, provided for me, guided me. He got quiet for a while in some pretty tough times, but he has been not just with me. He has been in me. And I almost don't know anything but that. I was so young. I don't know what it is to not have him in me. And what I do know is when the storms come, what my mama taught me to say was help. Jesus, help. And if that's all I can get out, I trust that he will take care of the storms. Now you say, well, you know, you're a Christian leader, a pastor. You know, you should have more game than that. I'm just telling you where I am today. I don't speak to the weather. I've been in some storms and thought, you know, Lord, you know, protect us, that kind of stuff. But I don't go outside and say, you know, peace be still. I feel like I'd be a little silly. But I sure have asked him to calm some storms down. And storms come and go, but life storms, sometimes they come. And it doesn't feel like they're going anywhere. So sometimes it feels like your Jesus is asleep. He's not asleep. And this proves that even when he is, you're still okay. He's still got you. So you say, well, I don't think I got him on my boat. Get him on your boat. Get him in your boat. Well, how do I do that? God, I'm a sinner. I'm lost. I'm perishing. I'm as good as dead. I believe you sent Jesus to die on a cross, to be buried, raised from the dead, to pay for my sin, move into my life, move into my heart, save me. That's how you get him in the boat. And then everything changes. Matthew chapter 26. So the story I'm about to read you is discouraging in some ways, but it's also very encouraging, for me at least. Matthew 26, going under verse 36. So Jesus is about to be arrested. He takes his, the 11. Judas has already gone to betray him, down to 11. So there's 12 of them total. 
He goes out to Gethsemane to pray and leaves eight, takes three, and then he goes on by himself past those three. And it says, then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he says to his disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. So he goes, prays, he's praying one time. Then all of a sudden, I guess he stops praying, comes back to the three. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. And went a little further, fell on his face and prayed, saying, oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, what? Now here Jesus is hammering this out with the father. There's really going to be no way around it. If it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Not my will, your will be done. And on this side, he has called these disciples to himself that they might be with him is what the scripture says. And so for three years, these 12 men and some others, but these 12 primarily that he called are with him. He has trained them. They know exactly what making a disciple is. They know. And he's in this crucial time and separates the group even out eight, three, but he can't even stay with the three because what he's got to go hammer out with the father, he's got to do by himself. But he needs his friends. Apparently this matters to him. So he comes back. He says, what, to Peter specifically, what, could you not watch with me one hour? So Jesus has been praying and talking to the father for an hour and Peter's, you know, you can just see him all falling asleep. You say, yeah, but it's nighttime. They just had dinner and nappy, nappy, wakey, wakey. You know, it's not going to happen. They don't get the import of the time or whatever. They fall asleep. And then he says to Peter, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And this is me. These verses are me. I fall asleep at the wheel on him all the time. And if I don't do what he says, watch and pray, then I'm the proverbial frog that is not the thing. But because I'm not on it, I'm not watching, I'm not praying, I just gradually, 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 the enemy goes, yeah, okay, well, maybe. Nighty night, nighty night, nighty night, and boom, I'm out. Spiritually, not just physically asleep, but spiritually asleep. And the next thing you wake up and you're in some mess and you go, how did this happen? I don't know. How did it happen? You weren't paying attention. You weren't watching. You weren't praying. This isn't some game. Again, a second time, he went away, prayed, saying, oh, my father, if this cup can pass away from me, unless I drink it, your will be done. By the way, how long does it take to say that to your father? An hour? Apparently so. Have you ever prayed to God and you went with one thing and the one thing took an hour? Sooner or later, you're going to get desperate. You're going to get desperate. You're going to be in a situation where you're not sleeping. You're crying out to God as though your life depended on it because your life depends on it. I spoke with one of my daughters, a roommate from college, and moved to Africa, to Kenya, to teach in a school there, married a Kenyan man, was marrying a Kenyan man, and she went to the wedding, and 
I got a text, are you awake? And she's texted everybody, please pray right now. Well, the tribe that ran the place where they were staying, some wacky evil stuff was going on and somebody had gone in with a handprint of either red blood or red ink and put it on the wall of the bride's room. And she had called for my daughter and all her friends. And my daughter said her body just went numb, her whole body went numb, aware that there was spiritual warfare going on. You say, well, I don't believe in that. Let me tell you something. You will. You walk with Jesus, you will confront evil. If you walk away from Jesus, you will confront evil. Because sooner or later, you will end up in a place, and you will look around, and you will say, I can't see what I sense, but I know something is wrong here, and you're crying out to God like you never cried out before. Because there is evil in the world. And Satan's plan for your life, everybody in here, everyone listening and watching, his plan is steal, kill, destroy. That's all they're about. And they bring you enticing little baubles and treasures and say, oh, come with me, come with me. And you play with that fire, you play with that fire, and then you wake up and go, what happened? How did I end up here? Because you didn't take it seriously. So for an hour at a time, he's saying, oh, Father, let this cup pass away from me. But what's his final verdict is, not my will, but your will be done. Too many times our prayer is, not your will, my will be done. And then we go down that path and wonder why it went so poorly. Verse 43, and he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. So he said, well, did he give up on them? Like, they don't get it. Jesus has been putting up with this for millennia, and I am just another one of these, unfortunately. You know what? It is very disappointing to realize that you might be a disappointment to him. You say, well, I thought he loved me. He does love me. You can disappoint someone who loves you enough to die for you, but still be disappointed. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And it was game on. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I usually read this at funerals. I went to see a guy. So let me put this in here before I even read you this. So I went to see a guy, and they are about to put him on hospice. And unless something miraculous happens, he will be dead in a matter of days. And I sat with him, and he was still trying to make sure, you know, is there any chance I'm not a Christian? Talked him through that. No, dude, that's not your issue. But he has some people around him praying, and their whole deal is, Praying without doubting, they believe that he is going to be healed and raised up. Now, I got no problem with that. But when you're the guy dying and you're hearing that, so I'm sitting there with him, just the two of us, and I said, look, I'm not telling you God can't raise you up. It's a thing. I've seen it happen. But the flip side is God may decide he wants you home. And that means you're going to be dead in a few days. And I want to talk to you about that because you're about to see the king. So instead of spending the last few days and hours of your life feeling like you have failed the people that believe you're going to be healed and you go die on them and disappoint them, this ain't on you. You can't heal yourself. You say, well, it's just lack of faith. Be careful what you tell people. 
So I'm trying to help this guy get ready to be healed here or there. But something's about to happen to him. I'm not saying I want out of here today. I still got to mow the grass. But anyhow, I got to, you know, I'm not saying I want to go home today, not because I don't want to see Jesus. I just feel like I got work left to do. That's my reason to stay. But to be absent from the body would be to be present with the Lord. So how are you going to beat that? So if the bus pulled up out here and it was Jesus, he said, I'm taking a load. Anybody want to go? Man, he'd have to say, I know you want to come. I need you to stay. I'd be, what? Your work's not done. I'll come back. But look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, go down to verse 14. And look at these first words. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and that's the big if. If you believe that, that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. And so, in the Bible, sometimes being dead or dying is described as falling asleep. Dead people sometimes look like they're asleep. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep or those who have already died. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. So if I die before Jesus returns, I will fall asleep. My body, whatever happens to me here, buried. But when all this goes down, you talk about a celestial wakey-wakey, I'm out of here. My body will be reconstituted with my spirit, and I'm out of here. And you'll have to wait. If you're alive and I'm dead, you'll have to wait till I'm out and on my way to follow me out. That's what it says. So why is this stuff in here? He says in verse 18, therefore comfort one another with these words. Why do we need comfort? Because it's freaky stuff. People back then even like, okay, what's going on? I thought Jesus was coming back now. And it turns out he didn't come back then, and he hadn't come back yet, but he's coming back. Now, part of the reason you need to wake up is it could be today. And I don't have time to go read you Matthew 25 about the virgins that were asleep and the bridegroom comes. But go read Matthew 25. You need your lamps trimmed. You need to be awake. So no matter when he comes and what I'm doing when he comes, I'm still going to make heaven. I'd sure rather be found being faithful when he shows up or even when I die. 1 Thessalonians 5. One more little section here. Verse 1, but concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. Well, then why are you writing to us? But anyhow, it's just. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. And when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you... Brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Pay attention. Wake up. What's going on? And when you don't live this life, things go poorly for you individually. They go poorly for you if you're married, for your marriage. They go poorly for your children. 
When I have not been watching and praying, things have gone poorly for me, my marriage, and then I'm not paying attention and praying for my own children. Almost every day when Rebecca and I pray together, we go down a list and almost without exception, I pray wisdom and protection over my grandchildren and over my children. Why do I do that? Why do we do that? Because I know for a fact, if he can't get to me, he'll try to get to them. So maybe you just don't have anything worth praying about yet. Or maybe it's worth praying about and you don't care enough about yourself to care about anybody else. The sooner you get healthy, the sooner you'll find yourself interceding on the behalf of other people. Some who can't do it for themselves. Things are happening in my life now that are the result of a dead woman's prayers. Not that she prayed after she died. My mama prayed for me every day of my life. And it was a great loss when she died. But prayers that she prayed for decades are still being answered. Because that's how it works. Watch and be sober. This is not a game And when you as a single man or a single woman, you're a single man and you're not watching, you're not being sober, you're not paying attention. And then the enemy sends some girl along and she rolls you and you wake up married and go, what the heck happened to me? I'll tell you what happened to me. You let it happen. God didn't do anything to you. He'll let it happen if you let it happen. Why didn't he protect me? You didn't want to be protected. You got what you set out to get. I didn't ask for this. Yeah, you did. You didn't choose something else. Verse 7, for those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also are doing. We'll get back to Richard in a moment to close out today's talk. But first, I want to share something about our program. Our mission is actually very simple, to take the planet. So it's our prayer that these daily talks from Richard aren't something you only hear and enjoy, but that they inspire you to share with others. Together, we can do this. The message of the gospel is something everyone needs to hear, and that's why it's such a priority to us. So join us in this important mission. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD to say you're in. Or you can get on board with us through our website, richardellistalks.com. Well, here's Richard with some closing thoughts for us. So what do you do? If you're not a Christian, wake up. You say, well, I can't wake up. Yeah, you can. They say, well, what do I do? You do what he's already put in your mouth and in your head and in your heart to do. If you have faith, it's because he gave you faith. Do something with the faith he gave you. It's saving faith. And why is it you didn't care about any of this and all of a sudden you care about all this? Where'd that come from? That's not an idol speaking to you. That's the God who created the whole universe. Wooing you, reaching out to you. So what do you do? You say, God, I will respond. I will receive I know I cannot explain this, but I know now that this is it. What I didn't understand before is that you love me and you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross, be buried and raised from the dead to rescue me, to save me. I don't want to live this way anymore. I don't want to die this way anymore. I got no answers for making it into heaven. For sure I'd end up in hell. 
that I believe you died on that cross, shed your blood, buried, raised from the dead to save me. Save me right now. Save me. Move into my life like being born a second time. Wash me of my sin. Give me a clean slate like starting all over. He'll do it. That's the deal. You go from darkness to light. Are you going to be perfect from now on? No, you're going to have challenges. You're going to have to grow up, but you're not going to die and end up separated from a holy God. And then for Christians, this is a rough time in the world, and you got to make some choices. You got to watch. You got to be sober. You got to pay attention. This is war. This is not a game. This is war. And the enemy's after you. He's after your husband, your wife, your children, everybody around you. And you have to grow up. You have to wake up and live the life he intended, or it's not going to go well. So you can either wisely choose to do it now or allow his discipline to wake you up along the way and burn another five or ten years, which you may or may not have. And then you go, oh, wow, I should have done that a long time ago. Look what I got myself into. Enough of getting myself into stuff. Let him get you out of this stuff so he can use your life. You've been listening to Richard Ellis Talks. We really appreciate that you've spent this time with us, but we want to keep the conversation going with you. A couple of ways you can connect with us is by giving us a call anytime at 855-6-RICHARD. That's 855-6-RICHARD. Another way is through our website, richardellistalks.com. You can email us, sign up to get the daily talk sent to your phone each day, write on the prayer wall where we can pray for you, or even stay in touch through our Facebook page at Talk with Richard. We love bringing you the program every day, but it means even more to us when you let us know how the program has helped you. So call 855-6-RICHARD or connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. Finally, if you enjoy the program, let us know by your generous support. It would really mean a lot to us. richardellistalks.com. So until next time, have a great day and thank you for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.